Halloween, I'm Moose Lundstrom. And I'm Christine Casto. And we are back at the Club Tap Room for our, our the Bull Hooker Halloween special, right? <laughs> yes. Second annual. This is our second time we've done this, Christine. This is going to be a good one. Christine drug me out of my hole to come out and do a podcast, but we do the podcast at the Club Tap Room because it's uh, you guys do such a great job of decorating, getting everything in the mood for this holiday, man. Thank you. You guys are huge Halloween people, though, right? Yes. You and Ryan are huge. into it? Yes. Him more so than me. Because he's yes. got like a six foot, six foot gargoyle in his house, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. But this, but this podcast is be a little different than usual for the Bullhucker if you're not used to it. What we do for this podcast is we uh, reached out to everybody in Morgan County and said, come tell us your, your Halloween stories. Yes. And we've had several people submit their stories and some stop in to um, have um, you guys record them and... It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. We had uh, seven stories for you. Actually, I think eight or nine stories. Uh, a few of them told two stories, but uh, a lot of local people from Morgan County. So uh, before we get started, though, I want to say thank you for supporting the Bullhucker. Thanks for uh, checking this out. And also, come down to the Club Tapper. What's the address down here, Christine? 212 Main Street. 212 Main Street in Fort Morgan, Colorado. Unfortunately, this is actual Halloween today. Yes. So uh, you can't come down for the Halloween party, but... If you want to do a party every year, this is the place you should come. They always have a great Halloween bash. Yes. Right? And it's always a good time at the Club Tap Room. Always right? a super good time. And I know that because I don't remember most of the time those <laughs> here at the Club Tap Room. So that, that tells you anything about what a great time they've had. So um, are you ready to hear some stories? Yes. All right. Uh, this uh, first story is actually a, a good friend of both of ours, uh, a city councilman here, and more importantly, a retired police officer from Fort Morgan. Uh, if you've watched the Travel Channel, they have a uh, special on uh, first responders, haunted stories of first uh, responders. Yes, yes. You know, uh, people who came, like cops and EMTs that show up to residences where crazy shit's happening. Yeah. And they're trying to diagnose the problem, but yet there's something odd. You know, like people are claiming like shadow people, whatever. They see all this crazy stuff. Well, kind of the same thing. So uh, this is Doug Shasso. Check it out. My name is Doug Shasso. Um, back in 1984, um, I joined the police department in 83. And uh, these are stories as I remember them. Uh, 84, Halloween. Um, been on the police department about a year. And we had had some vandalism and stuff like that going on at the cemetery in Fort Morgan. And they would wanted us to do some extra patrol. So uh, we got a phone call. Uh, around one, one-ish, if I remember right, um, we worked midnight to eight, and eight to four, and four to midnight. And uh, when I pulled up, you could see flickers, flickering going on in the cemetery. And back in those days, there was just maybe one or two of us working. A lot of times, just one. Um, this particular night, we had two, and. Uh, so my partner come in from the west side, I come in from the east side, I remember this very vid vividly. And uh, we got out and uh, started walking towards the flicker. And uh, as I got to the first driveway on the, on the east side of the cemetery, I could hear voices. 
my people talking. I couldn't tell what they were talking about, but I could hear talking. And without talking on the radio and, you know, we both made our way to the flicker and uh, got a little closer and you could see people, dark shadows, I guess, if you would, because, you know, it was dark and uh, still the voices. And uh, as we got a little closer, the darkness of the shadows disappeared and I thought that was odd where did they go and uh, it's got a little closer the voices had stopped about the time that the shadows disappeared and they're on the tombstone and uh, if I remember right it was early 1800s 18 between 1850 and 1900s um, and there was four candles sitting there and they were all flickering but nobody around and uh, my partner showed up and he goes uh, did you hear that I said I did he says did you see what I would yeah I said I did and um, so you know we gathered up the we gathered up the the candles and they were in little votive glasses you know and uh, we took them and um, the next night we had the same problem. Two nights in a row, voices, shadows, Fort Morgan Cemetery. Never did see them, never did hear them, or heard them, but we never did see them, and they were never there when we got there. The cemetery guys at the time would talk about that type of stuff happening at the cemetery. So, real story guys real story the next story um about the same time i think it was like a year maybe two years later so time frame 87 ish um the old fort morgan uh hospital i think it's down like a 1000 block of state uh right right there at the baptist church that that big long building there was the fort morgan uh hospital at one time and you know you try and absorb as much as you can from history and and I was working with some guys who had been with the department longtime residents of Fort Morgan and they would tell you stories I you know you have no idea if they're true or not but they're they're really cool stories so you know walking doors and checking doors was our primary goal on nights and and uh, stopped in at the Baptist Church rattled the doors and and I decided to walk the the old hospital and on the back side, on the east side of it, uh, there's some two doors there, and I grabbed them, the door opened up. So I called, and one of my guys came over, and we uh, we started walking down and and um, walked down to the basement, and uh, he had made comment that he had heard that the basement was just a big cement room. This is where the, um, uh, the morgue was set up. And you're going... Oh, shut the front door, you know, you just don't start that now, we're in here. You know, you're in this big old building with flashlights, and we're downstairs, and, you know, just kind of looking around, this is kind of cool, and and uh, our whole goal that night was to check the building, make sure nobody was in there, and then lock the door, and and move on if we could. If not, we called the owners, and they'd come down and lock it for us, but as we're downstairs, we hear, wham! like a door slam 
and we both kind of looked at each other and of course you know what the and uh, it's nice and quiet you could hear footsteps and them were old oak floors and you know you get somebody with an old like not tennis shoes but with a hard sole shoes you hear them walking and uh, so we decided that we probably need to go up and find out so we made it to the first floor and uh, still going on you could hear it upstairs the second floor and uh, nobody around nobody around and these are empty rooms you know some of them uh, I'm sure at one time were probably patient rooms you know and uh, so we're standing there and you're just kind of like you thinking what I'm thinking yeah there's some spooks here you know and next thing you knew you hear the door slam this time it's a floor below you and there ain't no windows open there's no doors open and you're just going hmm so we decided to go downstairs and um, follow the footprints the footsteps and totally gone totally gone and it's just one of them things that you just go you know what it's just time to go you know and uh, so every time I go into that every time I drive by I always remember that night maybe there I doubt it I do believe in supernatural I do um, I just seen too many weird things and it just kind of brings on a, a meaning for Halloween you know and uh, so that's my story Right, I was so shaw. So, uh, what did you think about that one, Christine? Well, that, that leaves you with a lot of questions. Like, right. holy crap! Right. Um, uh, at the cemetery, kind of makes you wonder. Was like, I know he's seen their um, headstone. Speak up a little bit. He saw their headstone, yeah. but um, like, was that date significant to anything? Oh yeah. Was it a birthday or was it the death? Right. Anniversary. I mean, like, it just leaves you with a lot of, why that day? Right, right. Or at least that's what I, I kind of thought about it was why. Or that person in the grave, did they have some kind of uh, substantial, or were, they, were they important to, like, an occult or, or something to that effect? Yeah. You know, or were they, were they something, like, dark and evil? Who knows? That's, you know, it'd be awesome. Uh, but that's got to be, man, you got to respect cops for that to have to go deal with that. Yeah. Would you do that? No. No, I would not. Not on your ass would I do <laughs> no, that. No, I would not. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to wait in the car. Yeah, I'd have my gun you drawn. let me know. Fire two shots yeah, that I, were clear. Um, nope. I would have my gun out, Christine. And I tell you what, if you're a ghost, you're safe. But if you have a body and you bleed, I am going to shoot your ass. So uh, pretty scary stuff. And then in the basement of these, it was the old hospital. Yeah. Well, I didn't know there was an old hospital. Yeah, it's right at the very, uh, like you said, the 100 block of State Street, um, right across from the backside of the hotel. Okay. It's right there, that big, huge building on the corner. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, huh. yeah, that's the old hospital. And, and I mean, hospitals have got to be stupid. You see, once again, Travel Channel, send me yeah. some money for, for hooking you <laughs> yeah. up with all these, these shout-outs. Come on, Travel Channel, you know, help a brother out. <laughs> Uh, but you, you see, like, the haunted hospital episodes, and those are the crazy ones, because, I mean, so, so many spirits in there. How many people have died in the hospital? Lots. In the, Lots. And a lot of them have been tragic deaths, you know? 
Yeah. They've shown up and just died from car wounds or car crashes or guns, whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. So pretty, pretty crazy shit, man, for sure. So, uh, yeah. And they just probably, I would say not ready to go yet. So yeah. maybe, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Or they don't understand what's going on. Yeah. You know, I, scary stuff. But, uh, and I got the distinct feeling that like Shasso has a lot more stories. You know what I mean? Oh, so, I think so. I think there's probably plenty he can't tell as well. Right, right, right. He, uh, yeah. he, uh, there was a, quite a few of the people that, that uh, stepped up or, into this really kind of stuff, yeah. and as you, we get a few more stories in, I'll, I'll point some of the people out that are really were, uh, really loving this stuff. So anyway, that was Doug Shaw. So thank nice. you, Douglas. Thanks, it was, Doug. It was good to see you, buddy. Um, our next story comes from someone who was at the Emporium. It's where I met her. Now, crazy story about the Emporium. Uh, there was suppose there's been three or four people to notice. There's an entity in the basement, a little boy running around. This this next one, Jeanette Bishop, was the first person to. She works there. Uh-huh. And when I first got there, when I, we first set up our, our podcast studio, I was I was putting everything up and kind of building it downstairs. And she'd walk down there, and, and first she didn't feel anything, right. but she said she's very sensitive to this stuff, as this story's going to tell you. And uh, she said that uh, it, it'll find me. That's just, it'll find me if something's down here. And then uh, it's like two weeks oh. later, she goes, "There's something down. There's a little boy down here." Oh yeah, but he, he's malevolent. I think it's the good one, right? I always get it mixed up. Benevolence the bad, benevolence yes. the good, right? Welcome to the Bullhucker Bullhucker podcast where we're experts on this shit, right? Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> we got this all put together. Uh, but, we uh, know what we're doing. Yeah, we know what's going on. But he's he's very peaceful. But she said there's also something down there that's not peaceful. So, But it's she's the only one to pick up on that so far. Uh, a few of the other people that have came down there have also been like, there's something here. But I'll get into that a little later. But yeah. uh, right now, here's Jeanette Bishop with her story. My name is Jeanette Bishop, and this is actually the story that started it all for me. So I was a a stay-at-home mom. I only had a three-month-old daughter at the time. I lived in Englewood. We had just moved into a brand new house. It was probably midwinter, tons of snow on the ground. You couldn't really see the yard at all. Um, My husband at the time was working, so it was just me and my daughter. She was in her bedroom and she was sleeping. I had a baby monitor set up and I was sitting there watching TV and on the baby monitor I heard just static come through. So I switched the channel and I was like, okay, maybe it's just the channel we're on. Switched the channel and at this time I wasn't a believer at all of anything. Very much a skeptic even. And... I switched the channel and then all of a sudden I hear laughter. And so I was like, okay, this was a childlike laughter, not from a three month old. I run inside the bedroom and there's a door on the outside of the bedroom. So I was a little worried that somebody maybe snuck into the bedroom, run in there, nobody's in there. I lock the door, go back out, change the channel again. Five minutes goes by, I hear that laughter again. And I'm like, what is going on? So I run back in there, nothing there. I freaked out. I called my husband at the time. He lived, He worked just down the street about five minutes away. And I told him what had happened. And he was like, just unplug it. You're probably picking up somebody else's baby monitor. I said, okay. So I unplug it from the thing. I took the batteries out, everything. Had it sitting on the side. All of a sudden, static. There's no reason why this baby monitor should have done anything. It had no battery. It was not on a charger. It was absolutely... There's, no reason for it to have any kind of static and it turns on static. I freaked out, checked the thing out the window, scared the heck out of me, called Chris back at my husband at the time. 
and told him what had happened. He was like, calm down. It's probably fine. Just get, get Nadia, my daughter, up and uh, sit down and watch some TV with her. Okay. So I get her up. I pull her in with me. We're watching TV. I've got the, uh, I think I had a cooking show on or something I was watching. And all of a sudden the channel starts changing. And I'm like, okay, somebody is messing with me. So I switch the channel back and it goes to another channel to the same channel and then it switches back to that same channel and I'm like what is going on so I turn it off TV turns back on I'm shaking at this point I put my daughter in her pack and play I called Chris I was like you need to come over there's seriously a problem and he was like it's probably fine just I don't have time call up your uncle my uncle was is a medium so he he knows quite a bit about this and he was the only person I knew to turn to so I was like all right call him up. I tell him, I need your help. He goes, I know. I was like, what do you mean you know? He goes, you have, you have ghost issues in your house. And I was like, how do you know that? He was like, I know. I'm on my way. I was like, okay. He lives an hour away. He was already on his way to me when I had called him. He showed up. By this time, it was late at night. And um, I had a friend that was supposed to come over and hang out with me that night. And I had told him about it. He goes, that's fine, but I'm gonna have you guys all leave the house. I'm gonna cleanse you. I'm gonna cleanse, you know, your husband. The kids, I asked my mom to come pick them up because I didn't want them to, to be present for it. So I had her come get Nadia. And um, he started his whole process. He started walking through the house, cleansing it. He did a prayer, did a bunch of other stuff. And at this time, I didn't know anything about anything. So I was just like, you guys are crazy. I'm just going to stay in my little bubble where I feel safe, <laughs> essentially. And so I kind of stayed in the living room, let them do their thing. Um, and he had walked around the house. And it sounded like he was talking to somebody. It was kind of crazy. Um, and then all of a sudden he was like, or there was a knock on the door and I was like, okay, this must be my friend. I go to go answer the door. There's nobody there. I'm like, what the heck? What the heck? So I go back in and I'm like, okay, there was a knock on the door, but nobody's there. I'm expecting my friend. He was like, just make sure you stop him at the door when he gets here. Another knock on the door. I go to go leave the bedroom after telling him this to go answer the door again. It was only a matter of like 30 seconds between knocks. I go to go leave again. And as I'm leaving through my kitchen, I hear this loud like crashing sound right behind me. I turned around and didn't see anything, didn't notice anything. I go to the door, open the door, nobody's there. So I called my friend and I was like, are you coming? Are you messing with me? Like, (laughs) where are you at? And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to message you. I'm not coming. My mom had something come up. I'm still in Elizabeth, which was an hour away from where I was in Englewood. And I was like, so you weren't here. And he was like, no, I wasn't there. I was like, okay, something weird is happening. I went rushing back into the house to try and tell my uncle about it. And I looked and I ran into this drawer that had been pulled out. And it had all my knives in it. So something had pulled pulled the drawer out behind me. And that's what that rattling was. And I didn't put two and two together until after think everything was said and done. Which we'll get there. But so I go back in there. I tell him about it. He was like, okay, I want you to go through, open up all the doors, all the windows. We're going to clear out this space. I've had, I've had to chase something off and I'll let you know about it in a minute. And I was like, okay sure so I go and I open all the windows all the doors and all this he had done sage so all the smoke starts dissipating 
still dead of winter. You can't really see anything. It's cold. And he comes out and he goes, um, there was a gentleman and there was a little boy. And I was like, okay. And he goes, the gentleman was keeping the little boy here and he wasn't allowing him to do the things he needed to do. And he wasn't a very good individual. I sent him off. But the little boy is asking if he can stay. I said, what's the story behind the little boy? And he said he used to stay in the bedroom where your daughter is. And he was climbing up the bookshelves of the house and the bookshelf fell down on him. It was like a six like put together bookshelf that was supposed to be stapled into the wall. Well, it came loose or, or, you know, in the wall. It came loose, came down on the kid and killed him. He had died in that room. And so he was asking it permission to stay. And I said, sure. And he goes, there's also a little red ball. When you find the little red ball, don't touch it. I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. He can stay as long as he doesn't bother me, my, my kids, my family doesn't scare anyone. He can stay. And so that, oh, after he had left, I went through the kitchen and I noticed there was a knife that probably came from the knife drawer that was open and it was sticking in my screen window like something had chucked it and so it was just like sticking straight out my screen window had sliced right through it and was just stuck there and then um yeah so that was that was kind of scary it kind of felt like something was trying to attack me as it was headed on its way out and then that summer when the snow melted in the corner of the yard we found the little red ball it was in the yard and that whole summer that was the only summer i stayed there i moved after that um but that whole summer that ball would move all over the yard it would go from one side of the yard to the other side of the yard and my naughty was too young to play in the yard nobody touched it it was definitely the little boy and they did demolish that building so i have no idea what happened to that that boy but that was the start of <laughs> what all happened with me. And after that, I was a believer. I was like, I've seen way too much to, to not know there's more out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, that was Jeanette Bishop. Uh, that was a cool story. Uh, it was, she told that story. I was just, I'm sitting here and it's hard for me because in the podcast, I interject a lot more than I should. People get irritated with me because I interrupt them. <laughs> um, but I sat there just nodding, just listening to her tell that story and, uh, you and I had talked briefly before we started filming about this. Yes. And I, you don't give that little boy permission to stay. Huh? No, no, you got to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, get your toys, load them up, head out. Right, right. No, I'm not going to say you can stay. Right, yeah, you're not welcome oh. here. Um, no. Such a crazy story, though. And there's the red ball at the end, you know. That was creepy. And Jeanette has got a wealth of uh, stories. She was, she was the big one that said, I don't know... Uh, I might have too many stories. You know what I mean? Like, so oh, I, 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 would, I would imagine if we, this becomes an annual thing, which I'd like it to be. That every, would be every uh, super awesome separate. to yeah. be able to do this every uh, year. I bet she comes back next year and tells more stories. So, Oh, I think so. Yeah. But that yeah. was, that was awesome. That's Jeanette Bishop. She is a, uh, and a wonderful person. She's so nice. She's such a good person. Super you know? sweet. She is yeah. a sweetheart. Yeah. You can stay. No, you cannot stay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> I don't give a shit if your ass is in astral form. You pay in yeah. rent, okay? No, you cannot stay. Oh, you can stay. No, yeah. get out. And it's it's kind of crazy when you hear these stories about how they try to attack you like that knife in the window. I mean, that's yeah. that's just gotta go. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm going, somebody's leaving. Right, right. And her and her uncle being a medium helps, you know, it absolutely uh, yeah. helps. So yeah. uh man, that was crazy. It was crazy. So oh. anyway, that was Jeanette Bishop. Jenna, thank you for your entry and uh that was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. So uh the next guy uh, guy we have coming up is uh a guy I grew up with, man. I've known this guy's been a friend of mine for years and years. Uh, but he actually came and approached you about this. Yes, he did. Yeah, when I saw the name, I was like, I'm surprised he didn't come to me. But that's which is fine, because uh, in our video, we said come to the tap room and, and sign up. But uh, this is John Hastings. Yes. Uh, and he has a, a short one and then a longer story. Um, but we'll check this out right now. So here we go. Yeah, I'm John Hastings. And uh, we're supposed to be doing a spooktacular whatever story about spooks. Well, I've got a couple of them. The first story I remember when I was a kid, we lived in this house in 406 Charles in Hillrose, Colorado. Well, my brother and I, we'd come home after school and we'd watch our little brother when mom and dad are working. And uh, we're sitting there watching TV and uh, just kind of chilling out. We got our chores done, did the dishes and, you know, stuff that we did back then. I mean, we had to clean the house and do stuff, you know make mom happy because mom was working well we're watching tv it's by about 5 30 6 o'clock at night i mean it's about this time of year so it's getting a little dark and hear the big old shake of the silverware drawer like <laughs> jim and i look at each other and go, what the fuck is that you know and it, you know, we're just kind of sitting there looking at each other we're like maybe 12 13 years old well um walk out in the kitchen i mean the drawers are fine they're pushed in all this other stuff and about oh we're 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 freaked out i mean we're just like little kids and shit in our pants whatever and about five years later we figure out okay well where we lived it was old church parsonage there and um We're talking with some neighbors, one that used to watch my little brother, Osie Potter. She said, well, the little lady that was in there, she died in your mom and dad's bedroom. Used to be the old study. Well, I don't know if she was there, pretty much thinking she was, because you'd hear stuff every now and then. But that was the first time I ever experienced that. I was about 12, 13 years old. And just the drawer pulling out, and you could hear it. And these were old drawers with silverware trays in them. So you knew pretty much if you jerked the drawer open, it would hear the stuff rattle. Make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. I tell you what, when you're 13 years old and that happens. Because you know what's going on. And that's the first one. Anyway, the second one that was the culmination that I know there's people out there that are kind of drifting i was living in oh it's probably been about 18 years ago living in castle rock riding horses and uh shoeing horses down there with uh bill murphy and um anyway there's this bar up the road in between medved chevrolet and our place called duke steakhouse well it was an old bowling alley and they converted one side into the bar and then the other side of the restaurant it was famed after the duke john wayne you know 
So we were in there about every night eating dinner, single, whatever, you know, just go in there and eat a steak or chicken fry steak, whatever. But we'd stay in there and get libated about, you know, four, five, six nights a week, maybe take a day off here and there. But on the south side of the restaurant, there was a one-holer bathroom. So you'd be drinking beer and you'd, somebody was in there, so you'd have to go to the north side of the restaurant. Well, I go over to the north side of the restaurant this night because there's, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. God dang guy, he must have had to take a dump or something, so I had to go to north side. I go to the north side and I'm in the urinal. It's a bigger bathroom, not a one-holer. It's three or four stalls, whatever. I'm starting to take a leak, whatever, and I feel this hand come up over my neck, grab my shoulder. And I mean, just like somebody grabs a hold of my collarbone. And I'm taking a leak, and I turn around, there's nobody there. I mean, nobody there. And I'm not, I, I, I drop, you talk about stop the flow, grab shit, zip up your zipper, and get the fuck out of there. That's what I did. And I ran out of the bathroom i come over there and i must have been three shades of white because brenda the owner and her daughter look at me and they said you met him like met what met the guy and i can't remember they said his name and i can't remember his name but anyway it was uh apparently there's a creek that's just to the east of the restaurant anyway this guy was having a hell of a time. He took his life down on the bottom of this creek. Well, it was just right to the east of the restaurant. Well, apparently he came back and he's inhabited this place. Had no idea about it. I didn't know nothing, whatever. But that's where he was, and he would come and visit. These, I tell you what, I, I had a hell. I would not go over there to the north side of that restaurant ever after that. I was there for about three years. No. That, <laughs> I mean, stop, drop, and get the hell out of there. That's my spook story. But he was he was a real deal, and they, they experienced him all the time. He'd go and throw shit off the counter or whatever. They'd be silverware laying there, and he'd throw shit off the counter. and Yeah. I got to experience his whole hand on my damn shoulder. But it's about 18 years ago, and, yeah, I'm I'm still a believer. They're still out there. Whew. Yeah. Thank you, John. You bet. So that was John Hastings. Um, first two good stories. I think the first one, him and Jim were just drinking. I think they just, that, that, I don't believe that, that uh, Civil War story shit at all. So uh, uh, just kidding. I'm playing, John. <laughs> I was going to say, with I'm just wondering if it, if it was... Such an old house that it was the metal drawers where you hear yeah. them screech when oh, they yeah. come out. Because yeah. um, I, I can believe that um, at that age. Oh, my God. I bet they screamed like girls. Oh, I bet. I bet, I bet at this age I scream like a girl if that happens, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I'd be like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm <laughs> out. Um, the other one, uh, I, I believe because how many restaurants start in old 
hotels or old buildings, right? They, yes. They refurbish them into restaurants because it's so expensive to open a restaurant, right? It is super expensive. Um, so oh. a lot of these older restaurants, and a lot of those older buildings have a little class to them, a little like, you know, a little... They uh, have character. Character. They have That's a lot great, of character. That's a great word to put it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I that for that, I do believe, you know, so, uh, and I think sometimes you just get used to it. Yeah. You know? They, they just, eh, go with it. Right. Like... Uh, Last year we talked about the Elks Lodge. You used to manage yeah. the Elks Lodge, yeah, and you just kind of learned to live with it, right? With uh, the weird I learned stuff. to not go in there by myself. Yeah, um, I'm still pansy, but yeah. I w- I just wouldn't go in there by myself. Right, right, uh, and I mean, but you know, right? So yeah, you you definitely know, and, and, and it's a like he says, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. You can feel it. But yet, there you see nothing. Right. It's like, right. Yeah. No. Thank you. <laughs> pass. Hard pass. Hard pass. That was a great story. Yeah, you know, and and good. and it's it's kind of a crazy thing. If you had a restaurant, would you advertise that, or would you try to hide that? Um. Uh, well, that's a tough one. Um. Ugh. I I think uh, it depends on when the most the the majority of your business is there. If you were kind of a lunch place during the day, I think I would advertise it. So those who were into it would come at night, you know. But if you were like a nighttime place, like like you guys do here at the tap room, a lot of uh, dinners. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, I we don't do know. dinner at night. Yeah. Um, I I think it would actually depend more on your um, customer base. Okay. Okay. Your customer base would probably determine whether or not you kept your mouth shut. Right. Or sure. you went, oh, hey, you should meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should come. You have your <laughs> come soul eaten at night, you know. Come out. He won't eat your face off, but he will consume your soul. Yeah, but yeah. But come on in. But the prime room's worth it here. Come on in. Check I it sh- out. I take Thursday nights at the club tap room. So. <laughs> is it Thursday nights? <laughs> yes, it okay. is Thursday night. <laughs> come get a prime yeah. rib from these guys. So, um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, uh, it was a great story. I mean... Also, I think it would be location. I would like yeah. here you're downtown Morgan. It's really busy, so it's not as creepy or spooky if something's haunted. Uh, oh. But if you like at the uh, just throw a place out like at the uh, end of the dirt out. road. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, some place yes. at the end of the dirt road. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. coming out there. Where it's all surrounded by cornfields and <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, I would yeah. not. Yeah, I would yeah, not advertise I'd that. Pass. I don't give a shit uh, how good the primer is there. We can go in there and fuck that. Yeah. So no, not going there. Right. Anyway, that was a. Uh, yeah. That was a great story. And I guess John is kind of, he's he's one of the people who also sent something in that basement. So Oh, yikes. We had, had a long time. He had lost uh, someone close to him many years ago. Uh-huh. And ever since then, he said he's just kind of been sensitive to it. Like, he kind of yeah, picks up can. on from time to time. So, uh, thank you, John Hastings. Love you, buddy. That was a great, that was a great uh, story. Thank you for coming on and uh, telling your story. Uh, next, we have Madeline Hagen. Madeline is uh, great because Madeline is very much into this. She's a medium. Uh, she does the tarot cards. She does. She's very involved in this this uh, this side oh, of the world. Okay. So or this this uh, side of things, the supernatural, super oh, <laughs> not supernatural. That's uh, <laughs> that's not. I'm not seeing anything there. You that, know. That's on your porn hub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those wrong videos. Wrong she's not, videos. She's not involved in that. Yeah, uh, but she is. <laughs> she is very involved in the supernatural. They had a holistic fair uh, down here at the stakeout, whatever it's the, oh, uh-huh. uh, the block, mm-hmm. whatever it's called. Yeah. And she was uh, reading energies and past life stuff. And, and so I went down because her and Megan came to the podcast to go support some new friends. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and she started reading my past life stuff, right? And so she's reading it. And uh, and at first I'm like, I'm supporting a friend. This is cool. You know, this is cool. Then she got into the meat of it. Like, here's how your past life is now affecting your mm-hmm. present life. Present. Christine, she came. 
like upsettingly close you know like oh, she's like, like oh, she kept man. saying are you okay are you okay with this i'm like yeah keep going keep going because she was saying a lot of things i mean and it was very specific things not like oh, general yeah. general yeah, no, stuff it wasn't a general round it was this has gone like this and it's gonna yes yes you are here because you did this right here right where you you like like psychic mediums on on back in the day when you call those lines yeah and they say very broad <laughs> things to where you could interpret it different place she was very specific with a lot of it, man. I don't oh. think it freaked me out, but I was a little taken back, and I was like, huh, okay, well, that's, wow, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I won't mess with, it. I was, I, I'm yeah. well, too big it, of a chicken, nope. Uh, she's become a friend over the years, and uh, and I like Madeline a lot, she's she's good people, but uh, I think she's also the real deal, so, yeah, yeah, very, very much so. So, anyway, here's Madeline Hagen's story. My name is Madeline Hagen, and I'm a professional psychic medium and spirit medium. I also practice a variety of other modalities, but today I'm here to tell you about some of my experiences growing up. I discovered that I was a psychic medium and spirit medium from my experiences growing up. Uh, unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way, but I wanted to share some things for spooky season. So growing up, I had a lot of experiences. I definitely don't have quite as many experiences now. And I've transitioned over more to a healthcare model in my practice. Um, but growing up, I was followed by an entity that I actually had to do a full banishing of from myself. And that was a very intense practice. Um, and so this entity, he's like a shadow person. And so he's about, um, I would say he's about eight feet tall and just like total all black. And he's very two dimensional. Um, and he has like almost like a Cheshire smile and yellow eyes um, and like claws for hands. And he was very, very scary and he would antagonize me growing up. And so a lot of times shadow people or any type of dark entity will feed off of fear and especially of people with abilities. So it's really common for, um, you know, kids with abilities or just anyone with abilities to have a lot of paranormal experiences around them. So he would terrorize me nonstop. Um, growing up, like he would just sit or stand in the corner of my room and watch me sleep at night. And that was terrifying. Like these yellow eyes coming out um, and like this Cheshire type smile is very, very unnerving. Um, and then there were times too that he would like come up onto my bed. He would never fully get up on the bed, but um, it's like I could feel stuff moving at my feet, like at the foot of the bed. And then there were times too that he would slither um, like kind of along the floor like a snake and then just up above the bed. Um, he would never like really directly touch me, but it was just like that constant looking at me and like the, with this really intense look and he was feeding off my fear. Um, and so I had this thing following me around for probably a good 15 years. And I eventually ended up banishing him about six years ago, and that was a very intense process. But um, it, it's, it's interesting because in my professional experience, I do run into similar entities, and it's always an interesting process getting rid of them for the client. And it's always interesting, too, seeing why they're attracted to certain people and why they latch on or attach themselves to certain people and, you know, understanding how to get rid of that and how to work through them. But I also wanted to share some of my experiences just, you know, in general with other things. Um, I've had a lot of experiences with poltergeists. I've definitely made a few myself. <laughs> and a poltergeist is essentially like a ball of psychic energy. And it has a bit of a consciousness to it. 
but not too much. Um, it, it's like a lot of raw, chaotic energy, and it's basically developed when someone who has abilities is dealing with unresolved emotional trauma or turmoil. And so it becomes like this orb of energy, and it's just, you know, frenetic, um, chaotic, and it, it's really synced up to the person who created it. And so growing up, I would also experience a lot of poltergeist-like activity, um, like things would just be thrown or moved throughout my room. I would always have lights flickering around me. Um, and some of that wasn't always poltergeist. Some of it was, you know, like my guides or angels, loved ones on the other side saying, hey, you need to do this or, you know, giving me some type of sign. Um, and to me, the poltergeist activity doesn't scare me as much, but I know for a lot of people it does. Um, and oftentimes you'll see that children, especially really young children who have abilities and they're suppressing them and don't really have an outlet for them, will end up developing a poltergeist. And there will be signs of poltergeist activity around them. So, you know, like toys moving, electronics going on and off, things being moved around the house, things being lost, weird odors, smells, things like that. Um, but yeah, I think that for myself, that really the last super intense experience I had with the paranormal that really scared me um, was probably about two years ago. Um, and I was working with a client who um, had an attachment that I was working with them to remove and the entity ended up attacking me remotely um, and that was not a fun process to go through <laughs> at all but yeah I've, I've had a lot of experiences with the paranormal it's something that I enjoy dealing with um, definitely an important realm to understand what you're getting into especially when it comes to the energetic liabilities thank you Okay, so that was Madeline Hagen, as I had told you. And some of these I've actually surprised Christine with. She didn't get a chance to view them no. before. This is uh, one of the ones you barely just got to see now for the first time. It was just fun to see your your expression because <laughs> you just look at me and go, fuck that. Yeah, I'm like, she, um, you can keep your job. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. She's very mm. calm, though. She's, she, she takes everything in stride. She really is a very calm, uh, cooling uh, person. You know what I mean? Very... Uh, some, she's got a gift of some sort because i'd be still sleeping with my parents if yeah. that were yeah if i had that going on in my bedroom as a child no thing no. I, I think that also shows uh mental toughness you know what i mean I, but um <laughs> it's crazy I, like i said i watched the travel channel in, all, in october for all the haunted stuff and uh, travel channel what's up come on come hook, on hook daddy up channel. hook daddy up um uh there was a video of a guy who came across, and he heard something, and he came across around the corner of his home, and he caught the uh, glimpse of a shadow person that was exactly what she just described. Spiky hair, big Cheshire cat smile, but it had white eyes. I believe it had white eyes. I can't remember. I have to go. I, I want to try and find the, the episode so Madeline can check it out. But she said white eyes are way worse than yellow eyes. Like, the color of the eye is, like, basically in a, in a shadow person or demon the level of shitty they are. You of know? the level so, of shitty. So we've yeah. got white, yellow, and what, probably red? Maybe red, Maybe, yeah, yeah. If they were black, you wouldn't see them. Yeah. being so dark. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to see any of them. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, you're not welcome. So. No. But, uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, uh, stay here. She can't, She got back to me right away when I put that. we put that video out. She was like, I'm in. So, oh, sweet. And I'm, yeah. she's also another one. We probably, if we do this, hopefully this is an annual thing. I really like it to be. But I think she'd be one that we see, we'll see every year with yeah. fresh content because she's actively looking for her and I talk about doing something like this, like a ghost hunting thing. Uh -huh. But I'm always worried these things will, 
follow yeah, you home. Yeah, yeah, attached to you, and then right. then you're living with it for the rest right. of your days. Right. Well, there's ways to get rid of it. Silver Vincent Zetti, which we'll see here in a little bit. Uh, she was actually last episode. Uh, she's okay. huge into this stuff too. She says hugging a tree, and I go hug a tree. Trees will take energy. They're Mother Earth energy. She said Mother so. Earth it'll that it'll take that yeah. ghost from you. It'll take that uh, energy from you. So yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. So it's it's I. This this actual year, last year was good. They had a lot of great episodes or a lot of yeah, stories last year. We had a lot. And this year has been was very very educational for me. So learned a lot of cool stuff. So, uh, but let's let's keep going on. Uh, our next one is also Megan Megan Orcutt. She uh, also big into this stuff. She does a lot of uh, she does all the, the affairs, the holistic stuff. Mm-hmm. She's big on the holistic uh, healing, but uh, she dabbles in this. She does the tarot cards uh, in her episode of the Bullhucker. She does like the uh, the pendulum, yeah, she t- yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, like we talked before, I I don't want to do tarot cards. I don't yeah. want anything to do with any of that. I'm right. just going to go about my life, however it's going to go, and right. I don't want to know. Right, right. Um, I did hers too, and she, she came pretty close on the tarot reading. It was she had actually had a prediction of me that was uh, pretty exciting. It was about the podcast, so hopefully it comes true. So um, about turning a corner, and you know, and. and uh, Hopefully it is. So uh, we'll see. But here is uh, Megan Orcutt's episode. Her uh, my story. name's Megan Orcutt, and this is my spectacular story. Um, I went on a trip just last weekend, and it was called a spectacular adventure, and it was run by these two ladies, and it was like a like a mountain retreat paired with a paranormal investigation. So um, there's it was up in Georgetown. And we investigated at the John Tomei Library, which was opened, I want to say it was in the 20s, if I remember the librarian story right. And uh, it was all paid for by John Tomei's money that he left behind after he, he perished. Um, but there had been all sorts of reports of just, like, spooky things happening to some people. One other investigation group had gone there before and had a few things happen. So we were like, oh, this might be pretty cool. We don't know. Um, and this was the first time I'd ever done like a, an investigation that had the, like the actual supplies to do it. Like the, the, we had dowsing rods. I had never used those before. Um, we had a spirit box and then there was, uh, like EMF readers. And I'd always gone into places and just kind of seen what I felt and gone through more of like a me and the spirit kind of thing. So it was really cool to see how all of this machinery worked and, like, watch it pair with what I was experiencing myself. So the first night, um, we went there and we split into two groups. There was 11 of us, I think. And uh, one group went to the basement and then one group stayed upstairs. Um, I was in the upstairs basement. So we were in, like, the kids section of the library. So there was, like, these little, like, giraffe chairs and, like, tiny tables and... um, we were just standing there while we got the EMF reader going, and then it starts, like, blipping a little bit. So we were like, oh, somebody's there. So we start the spirit box. Um, spoiler alert here, nothing ever came through the spirit box, which was kind of a bummer. But <laughs> And then we set up a flashlight, and we were asking them to turn on the flashlight if they were there. And it was all the way across the library from us. Um, and we were getting just small reactions, and then in, like... I guess the back of my mind would be the best way to describe it. I felt a little boy ask me to sit down with him at the table. And it was like kind of the same feeling like I get even when like my toddler comes up and it's like an unspoken moment that uh, we have too. 
So I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to sit at the table just so you don't think I'm weird. Um, this is what I'm doing. So then I sat down, and then my sister was with me, and she sat down, and she started coloring. So then the EMF reader is only going to green. Like, it stops going anywhere else. So it went up to, like, the second green on it. And then after that, there's, like, yellow, orange, and then red. <clears throat> and uh, we were like, make it go to orange, and then we just go to green. And then in the back of my head again, I heard him say, my favorite color is green. So we're like, okay, if we start coloring with green, will you answer some questions? And then it started going off of green. Like, my, we just made my little sister sit down and color with green at the table. <laughs> and um, so then he kind of starts answering, and then the answers start changing, and we realize that we're not talking to the little boy anymore. But this one, um, one of the girls that was here was playing with the dowsing rods, and one of them was just going like crazy. He just liked the dowsing rods. So he was done talking to us. He just wanted to play with the dowsing rods. Um, and then we started hearing from this man who said he was a minor back in the day. He was never married, he informed us. Um, never had a girlfriend. And he literally hated that the children were coming to the library. <laughs> That was that was all that he wanted us to know. He wanted to make sure that we understood that he didn't he didn't want that anymore. He didn't have kids. He didn't want the kids there, but he felt like he had to stay. And uh, he liked that Georgetown was the red light district. There was we learned about the tunnels that go underneath. Well, they used to they're concreted off now, but there are tunnels that went underneath. And this place that become it was an opera house, and then now I think it's just under construction. Um, the tunnels go underneath there, and that's where the ladies would be to meet anyone that didn't want to be known for going to the red light district. So everyone from, like, Golden, Idaho Springs, Silver Plume, this was where they would come to in between mining times. Um, and then that was pretty much all we got for the, the first night. It wasn't very active. Um, so then we went back the second night, and we had a, a librarian who had a lot of background knowledge of it, who taught us about a couple historical stories that we were able to use in our questioning. Um, and then we also had the lady who reads to the kids there, who would do like all of the, like the craft times, activities, that kind of stuff with the kids. Um, and we went down into the basement and just started there. And we had a little flashlight set up on the table for them to um, hit the buttons on. There was a little bear that would go off if they touched it. I don't remember what those were called. I think a REM pod. Um, and then we had the EMF readers. So we started off talking to them. We were trying to talk to a lot of the people from the historical stories that we had heard. Um, we had someone named Jackson come through. And I can't remember the name of the other guy that came through. But I know that they were involved in one guy getting clubbed to death over a mining incident. And then another one was like a shooting. Um, but then we were using the... Um, the Estes method, where they complete, they cover their ears and then they're, they have little eye masks on, so they're completely devoid of anything that they can experience outside of the spirit box hooked to the ear things. Um, and they got the name, not through the spirit box, but like probably in the back of their mind, because they said they just felt like someone was telling them that their name was Sam. So we got Sam, Sylvie, and I think Abigail or Angela. So then we started asking questions using the method that they liked, where they made the EMF reader go up and down with the colors and we learned that Sam was the little boy so um, he enjoyed the readings that the lady would do so she went and got Mrs. Honeybun which is the little puppet a little rabbit puppet and told a story with it 
And after that, the activity was amazing. Um, we asked him to just do musical lights, basically, with the flashlights. And we had three of them set up, and he would just go back and forth and turn them on all over the place, making little fun dance kind of things with it. Um, he let us know that there was more than ten spirits there. Uh, we learned that he was about eight years old when he when he died. Um, and he liked doing pranks. So then we were using that to our advantage, honestly, because we would have him go poke at the people that were doing the Estes method. And they would come out and be like, something touched me. Something touched my shoulder. Something bopped me in the head. Like, so he was just enjoying it. He would fling people's dousing rods. He hit one guy in the face with a dousing rod. Um, (laughs) And then near the end of it, when we were kind of winding down and just talking more amongst ourselves and like like every now and again we'd throw a question out to all the spirits um i had my hair up in this little clippy because i had just been uh beetlejuice so i had like this spray in my hair we had done a costume contest and i went there and i just felt like the it didn't unclip it but it ripped my hair back with the clippy so then like i panicked and like went back because i was like that hurts and i unclipped it and he had broke my clippy like a piece of it's gone and I think it was because I started playing with the dousing rods instead of paying attention to him. So he just was like, no, listen to me. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. But we said our goodbyes to him and he agreed to stay there, which is always an important thing to make sure. Um, so he's going to stay with Mrs. Honeybun and do all the children's classes with everybody. So, yeah, of course. All right, that was Megan Orcutt. Uh I don't know, kind of a cool place. You want to go check that out if you're searching for stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know. Um it was kind of crazy, and she brought up a great point in this that uh, I've heard a lot is you have to be very, very adamant about telling them you, you can't come. Yeah, you, no, yeah, no, use you, your words. Yeah, you got to stay here because that entity wanted to follow her home, you know, and yeah. and well, maybe because she made contact with it, so, it, you know, it, I don't know, and, yeah, and she's yeah. sensitive to that kind of thing, so I, I could see as to where it would want to go with Megan because it could actually communicate with communicate, somebody. Communicate, right? Yeah, I don't want to communicate with them. Right. I, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> right. She, uh, her husband Matt works. He's a mechanic at work, and they have a cutlass that is haunted. Right, like it's it's supposed to be like Silver Vincent Zeddy's got that Corvette that's haunted. Their cutlass is haunted, but not like silvers like matt would say like just the weirdest things would happen like it's got a mind of its own you know so and it's an old preacher and his wife that he believes is haunting this so it's not like the yeah yeah it's not trying to eat his soul yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, which is silver's car's name it's it's kind of crazy it's i'll have to show you the picture if you watch last episode it hasn't came out yet so you haven't had a chance but uh her, her corvette she has has the uh a wrap on it of it the clown from it, oh yeah, like Pennywise, oh, I yeah, hate it's that clown. Yeah, yeah. She talks about that thing being haunted so much, and it's it's a, it's oh. cool to listen to her talk about it. So, yeah. But we got off this uh, course a little bit. Uh, Megan Orcutt also big into this stuff too. So I would imagine Megan could come back year after year and tell yeah. us more stories. I mean, people like her, Madeline, uh, and probably Shasso, uh had 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 a hard oh, time he, picking. Yeah, I would say well, Doug definitely would. Yeah, um, have tons of stories oh. with his his history on the police department and yeah. everything you've seen, I, I'm sure he is just bleh. Right. Totally crazy. So anyway, that was Megan Orca. Megan, thank you for coming on the podcast. It was awesome to see you also. So thank you. Yeah, it was very cool. And, and she sat around and kind of BS about stuff and it was silver, her and silver recorded together and, uh, listening to them talk was kind of fun. You know what I mean? Cause they're just, oh, yeah. they're both so into it and they, 
they're talking on another level that I can I can't understand. Like, yeah, it's about, there yeah like absorbing, going. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> I'm just like trying to follow the conversation. They're way above my head on this stuff. So, uh, but very very cool. So uh, our next episode, our next story is uh, Randolph Torres, who actually the bullhucker in the background there is the one who spray painted that on my wall. So, oh, nice. Yeah, he's the one that Great actually the artist. You know him from the HGTV yes. too. Yes. So yeah, he did all the uh, murals in town. Uh, he's a tattoo artist, local. So, uh, Randolph Torres, great dude. So, anyway, uh, here's Randolph's story. Uh, my name is Randolph Torres. I'm from Fort Morgan, Colorado. And uh, I have a ghost story for you guys. So, spooky. Um, yeah, I I really only have one story that uh, was an interaction with an apparition or a ghost or a paranormal entity or whatever you'd like to call it. Um, so, the town I was born in, in California, was uh, Santa Maria. And there was a house that my mother and father at the time were living in. It was like a townhome um, that I was, you know, brought into the world in the hospital and brought back to that house. And uh, my interaction with this entity um, is many years down the road. But unbeknownst to me at the time, um, my dad had been having interactions with some form of ghost or entity, weird presence around the house. And um, I guess as I as I grew up, for like the first year of my life, I think we were in that house in Santa Maria, um, at which point my father believed something attached to him. Um, we then moved into a larger family-style home in Napoma, California, about 15 minutes up the road. And, uh, you know, life went on as it does, normal childhood, nothing really out of the ordinary. Um, until I was about seven, seven or eight years old, um, our house was essentially one long hallway. So we had front entry kitchen living room all that stuff with one really long hallway that had all of my brothers and sisters doors leading down the hall at the very end was the master bedroom where my parents room was um and so yeah right around like eight years old um my brother and my room were side by side and the bathroom was directly across the hallway from us and just one night you know nothing real uh nothing really exciting leading up to it just one night woke up in the middle of the night had to use the restroom so I left my, uh, my bedroom door, was going across the hall, grabbed the handle to the bathroom door, and for whatever reason, you know, half awake, eyes barely open, looked down the hall to my left, which is where the dining room and kitchen and all of that was, and from my dad's office, which was on the left side of the hallway to the right side of the hallway where the dining room was, I saw just an elevated, real elegant, you know, white floating figure, right? Tall, slender, you know, real feminine kind of figure, like it was draped in a dress kind of thing, like a wedding gown, um, just real slowly from the office door to the dining room. And it took a moment to register. I was like, you know, don't know what it is, right? I'm half awake. Don't even know if it was real. But I saw this figure transition across the hallway and all of a sudden didn't have to use the restroom anymore. I just I saw that and I was like, nope, and turned around and went right back in my bedroom, wanted nothing to do with it. So, you know, at that point in time, didn't know if I was dreaming or what was going on. But it was really bothering me, you know, like it, it felt real. So as a little kid, you know, didn't know how to process it. So I asked my dad, I was like, hey, like, dad, I got up in the middle of the night last night and I like saw this really weird thing. And he was like, you saw her too? And that was when it, you know, it really clicked. And I was like, what do you mean saw her too? And he was like, your brother's seen her. He's like, now you've seen her. He's like, we've all seen her. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so this is where, you know, that story had been going on for a decade, you know, from even before I was born. He had had interactions with this woman um, and just weird stuff going on around the house. You know, he had a, a garage that was downstairs, kind of like a basement. Um, 
attached to the house and um when he'd be down there working in the wood shop or whatever always had the country music radio station on and he'd shut it off you know before he went up to bed at the end of the day and he'd come down there in the morning to do some work in the shop and it would be on the hispanic radio station and it was all the time it was regularly happening didn't matter what station he tuned tuned it to the next morning it'd be back on the hispanic station and uh he had seen her several times you know passing between rooms through the hallways and things like that uh, my brother had seen her passing between the hallway, very similar to how I did in his bedroom one time. And so, yeah, a really, really weird thing, you know, that our family encountered. Um, we never knew of any um, any Hispanic woman who was, you know, killed or had died in any of the houses that we'd lived in and no specific connection. And um, there was never anything like nefarious. She was never aggressive. Things never got moved or thrown. It was always just kind of this this lady that was around um and so yeah i only ever saw her that one time but my brother and my dad saw her a lot um and i think probably because you know they were older i mean i guess they were able to perceive it a little bit more than me as a kid i may have seen her more and i don't remember but yeah it's just really weird you know one of those things where it's like when enough people see it without having already talked to each other about it which you know would then um kind of like plant those ideas in your mind that oh maybe i did see something but like the fact that none of us knew that anybody else had seen her and then we all started asking like hey what's up with this thing we saw and then they're like what like you saw it too just a really weird experience um and super cool because it's like you know we always like to hope that you know our loved ones and those that you know we lose are still around in some capacity or you know still watching us and it's kind of hard to dispute when you when you see stuff like that you're like okay like there is a chance that things are around, you know, whether we see them or not, things are around. So right super cool. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Spooky season. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a little more of what Dave has uh, on this episode of something attaching to you, you know, and uh, although that one also seems malevolent, I mean, just want to hear a little yeah, just, garage music, you know what I mean? I just wanted to listen to their own music yeah, and yeah. follow you through the house. Yeah, it depends on what country you listen to. I might, if I was haunting you, turn it off too. Who knows, you know, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That was a great story. Um, Randolph's a great storyteller. Anyway, if you watch his episode of the podcast, and all these guys have been on yes. the Bullhucker, by the way, yes, as you have, um, you go back through the library, you'll see all these people that, and listen to their actual stories of their life. Randall's is very interesting. Um, uh, but uh, this is the kind of thing I was looking for in a nutshell. You know what I mean? Just the right. kind of stuff you don't realize. And he's right. I think there are things. There's probably someone watching us right now. That's why when you try to communicate with them, they know so much about you, you know? They know way too much. They know what you sing in the shower. They, you know what I'm saying? They know what your downstairs looks like. They know everything, you know what I'm saying? So, but uh, but my point is that it's that's just something we don't understand yet, you know what I mean? And uh, It's definitely something that is and probably will always be unknown. Right, right. And I always wonder, like, what, what, what personality traits... Are most popular for them to try and attach, attach to. to yeah yeah so uh, i don't know obviously i don't know randolph's father so but it seems to happen to just certain people so so uh, I, i'm gonna work on an asshole personality great so. <laughs> maybe that's what they like christine <laughs> no, i don't know, no. you know? <laughs> well this one's a dick i'll just follow her around you know what i mean it's fun to watch her be a dick to people so she's just I'll follow her. <laughs> but anyway, that was Randall Torres, man. Randall, thank you so much for submitting your story, man. That was, that was awesome. awesome. It was also good to see him again, too. Like I said, he came yeah. in and did the, the bullhucker sign behind us. That's he did the great. graffiti on it. It was. I walked down there, and uh, you haven't been to our, our studio. I haven't. You had to come kind of sign my wall. But uh, 
I walked down there and I was like, you, you okay with all the fumes down here? And he's like, I like the fumes down here. I go, okay, <laughs> man. All right. Man. <laughs> so that was his little bonus buzz, you know. And he, uh, oh, yikes. The Emporium has great pizza. And he goes, I'm going to get one before I leave. Well, he started eating one while he was still doing it because I think he got the munchies. I think he got the munchies. A, a tad bit high off fumes. that uh, fumes. Yeah. So, but uh, amazing artist, by the way. So uh, if you need a tattoo, I'd recommend Randall Torres for sure. He does great work. I've seen a lot of it and it's. It's legit, so and a good dude. So, anyway, thank you, Randall, for your submission. All right, uh, moving on to our last story of the night, uh, and you might recognize this lady from uh, last episode. Yes, uh, she was one thirty-nine. This is episode one hundred and forty. Silver Vincenzetti. It took me forever to learn how to say her last name because I <laughs> yeah. slaughtered the shit out of it. Uh, but uh, she just moved to town. She does the go- mostly ghostly ride. Right. Um, if this place is haunted, I would definitely give her your name, as is the Queen Lounge and the Sand Theater. Oh, we're not haunted. I'm telling you, we're golden here. Oh, you're okay, okay. <laughs> All right, never mind. They won't come here. But uh, she does the mostly ghostly ride every year, and uh-huh. uh, they go from haunted place to haunted place, like a, like a motorcycle. Yeah, oh, like, yeah a, like a, a poker run. poker run, yes. Oh, gotcha. And uh, she was super interesting to listen to. She uh, is huge in the supernatural. She, if you watched last week's episode, you'll know she's got a haunted Corvette. Um, her River, Riverdale Road story. She had three haunted stories oh, on her episode. Oh, the Riverdale Road. That, you, you know about that. I know about, about Riverdale about Road, yes. Um, like I said, that it is. hasn't came out yet for you to listen to, but she has a oh, story wait. about what she saw on Riverdale Road, and it's pretty uh, freaky, man. So, uh, But this yeah. one actually goes in a little different direction. So I was uh, I was impressed on the story she told, and I'll, we'll talk about it after we're done. So here's Silver Vincenzetti. Hello, I am Silver Vincenzetti, and the story I'm going to name it The Visitor because I don't want to give it away. So I am in a Native American spirituality, and I go to different houses, and I cleanse them. And um, some of the houses have been kind of tough. Um, the last one I went to, the gentleman slept out in his car because he was afraid to sleep in his house. Um, but my uh, this story is about my granddaughter. So she was living in an apartment, and she called me up and she says, Grandma, I need you to come and cleanse the apartment because I think there's a ghost here because the doors are opening and closing and we see the shadows. And so I went and I felt it and I cleansed it. <clears throat> so her husband was stay, uh, sent to Iraq. And so she was alone and she decided to buy a house. And she's living in the house for a little bit. And... I told her there was an odd smell as you walk into the doorway. And I told her, I don't know what it is. Could be plumbing. You could have a dead animal under the porch or something. But you should probably get it checked. And uh, so she lived in the house probably, I'm going to say a couple months, a couple, three months. And she calls me up crying and she says, Grandma, I think you need, I think that ghost followed us that was in the apartment. And she said, could you come cleanse the house? And I said, well, I didn't feel anything when I was there, but sure. And so um, I asked her, I said, well, what's happening? And she says, I think I'm going crazy. She says, the dogs will sit at the edge of the bed and they'll growl in the middle of the night. And they'll just sit there and growl. And she says, I don't see anything. She says, and things are coming up missing or being moved. She says, my dog, Lucy, he's never gotten into anything. And he got on the kitchen table and ate all the cookies. 
Of course, I was like, oh my gosh, is the dog okay? Because he ate a lot of sweets. <laughs> and she said, yeah, he was okay. So she started moving stuff up to where the dogs couldn't get it. And she says, things end up missing out of the refrigerator. She hears noises. And she says, Grandma, I'm really scared because I'm by myself. So she had a friend come stay with her for a little while. And when I went there to stay for the weekend and clear the house, I, I still, again, did not feel any presence of anything. I told her, I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't feel anything here but that odd smell at your doorway. And so she says, well, Grandma, I'm not lying. <laughs> she, she's really upset, and she's pregnant at the time, so... So I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe it's because of her pregnancy and she's living alone and, you know. So then she calls me a few nights later. She's upset. She says, last night was crazy. I said, well, what happened? And she says, at 3 o'clock this morning, somebody is banging on my door. And she says, they're yelling, let me in. <clears throat> and I told her, I said, well, did you call the cops? She goes, no, she says, I went and I looked at the ring and it was some lady and she looked like she was drunk and homeless. And she says, I, I was going to call the cops, but then she left and she stood under the street lamp. And she says, I watched her for a while and then she disappeared. Well, we, you know, she, she still kept hearing sounds and the doggy door and I said well you're sure you're not having a raccoon come in the doggy door and she says no there's no other animals coming in well then she her husband came back from Iraq and she says uh he said that smell is awful and their plumbing started backing up and so she called the plumber out and the plumber came out and he says well your, your tub seems fine. We're going to go under the house and see what's going on. They went under the house, and apparently, this is what they call frogging, she had somebody living under her house. They had a mattress, food, everything, and stuff that was from her house in there. So this lady had been coming through the doggy door and taking things out of the house and walking around the house at night and that's why the dogs were growling. So that's a true story of frogging, which is P-H-R-O-G-G-I-N-G. Is what they call it when somebody's living in your house and you don't know they're there. Thank you, Zeddy. That was Silver <laughs> Vincent Zeddy. Like I said, I just recently met her and I, I, I'm in, I like her a lot. She's a very interesting person to talk to, you know what I mean? She has a lot of wealth of knowledge of this stuff. But the reason I like this, uh, this story, I liked them all. They all did a great job. Right. Uh, but hers uh, is, I liked it because uh, shadow people, ghosts, demons, all that's scary. But you know what's scarier? Fucking human beings are the scariest thing walking this earth. They you are. know what I mean? Um, and you had just brought up a point when we got done watching that video about Densia Kudrin. Yes. In her episode, she's told this story many times, same thing, someone living in the house, and you don't know it. Nobody knew it. They're, that's just... Creepy. It's creepy, creepy as shit. It, it's it's scary oh. when she said that. It, it's a frogging. There's an actual word for it, so it happens all the time, probably, you know. Like it's just a, a given thing that people just do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. No, no thanks. You know.
Yeah, no. So it's it's uh, it's a crazy thing, right? It's it's so nuts. So uh, I was I was grateful. She called me and she or she got a hold of me and said, "Hey, can I tell this story? Right. It's not supernatural per se." And I said, "But, but still, it's a good story. Yeah, yeah. It's how many, creepy. How many times people get hurt or murdered in that aspect when the person finds? That you know what I mean? It's somebody shouldn't be there that's it, been living there. If they're living there for free, it means they're probably hard up. So they're probably desperate. So they probably will resort yeah. to violence or something. You know. Or if it's a man and is it, uh, the woman sitting there by herself, I mean that's scary for a woman, right? A female, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't. For me, I just whatever, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on in, you know. I, I call Big Spoon, but uh, I, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. She told that story, and I was like, oh, "Well played, Silver. Well played." So well played, yes. That, that was good. I thought it'd be a good one to end this on. So. Uh, what did yes. you think of all the stories today, Christine? Oh, there were some really good ones. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Right. Uh, uh, and like I said, this this year was very educational for me. Uh, having people like Silver and Ma- uh, Madeline and uh, Megan, you know, people who yeah. were very sensitive that really get into this stuff. It was cool to listen to them talk to each other about, you know Yeah, what I mean? they speak their own language they really where do. we're just sitting here going, what? And <laughs> and uh, so Jeanette and, and Jeanette Bishop's also that way. I'm yes. sorry, Jeanette, I didn't mean to forget you. You know, much love, Jeanette. So um, Jeanette's the first person that, in that basement to pick up on that little boy, right? Uh-huh. Madeline picked up on it. Megan uh-huh. picked up on it. And then and they're three. Those those all they're friends. So right. I thought maybe they just yeah. talked and you know who knows blah blah blah. And maybe they did all pick up on it. But when Silver came down there, nobody knows Silver. I just right. met her. She just moved to town, unprompted. She was in the basement. We were doing the podcast where we sit. This is my seat they're in right now, but on the other right. side is where they sit. And she goes, there's something down here. I go, what is it? And she's like, I don't know yet. There's something going on down here, she said. And I'm like, okay. So we do the podcast, you know, and we get done. And it's her, Carrie Ankrum, and I. And uh, as she we're, she sat down, we all kind of BS for a uh-huh. while after, as we do after the podcast. Right. We shoot the shit. Right. And, and Silver stops. She goes, oh, there's a little boy i just seen. There's a little boy down here. And she described the same Little boy, wow. as Jeanette had described, and so uh, I told Dana Sherman, the uh, the owner, the important one of the owners, about it, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, that's kind of crazy." I said, "He sees. I guess he's nice, so he's yeah. not gonna, you know, try to kill you. You know, it's nice, but uh, and who knows? She she also told me she went to the Cattleman's Inn or the Corral, uh-huh. and something followed her home from there, like an I entity. Would not be surprised. Yeah, no, that's an old. I mean, the Cattleman's was rough back in the day." Yes. A lot of shit went down at the Cattleman's. If someone didn't uh, die in there, I'd be sh- I'd be shocked if people haven't died yeah. in that bar. Back in the day, now Charlotte's cleaned it up, but it's right. But but in the eighties, you heard all kinds of seventies. You heard all kinds of crazy uh, stories yes. of the Cattleman's, right? Yeah, always. And you bartended uh, downtown Brush for a long time. Yes, yes, um, quite a few years. Um, Smitty's Red Zone. Right. Yeah, right. Those are way back in the day. Right, right. So Fort Morgan and downtown. Fort Morgan and, and Brush both downtowns or have old buildings. Very old you know? buildings. Um, but she did say Brush is uh, spiritual, like the, the sense she gets is very laid back. Morgan's is a little rougher, she said. The oh. the uh, spiritual energy she well, said in Fort Morgan yeah. is a little uh, more aggressive. So I don't, you know, because they're jealous of them beat diggers. What's up? So <laughs> take that, Densia. But uh, <laughs> she flipped me off. I guarantee you right now. But, I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure she did. But, uh, Christine, uh, it's, thank you for letting us do this here again. Yes, this was great. And uh, hopefully oh, every wow. year we get to do this until we run out of people telling us stories. So. Oh, I don't think we'll ever run out of people. No, no. It's, sometimes they just take, they, they're scared it, to tell the story. But Yeah. 
But you got to realize when you're telling these stories, like I said, throughout this week they've been coming down the Emporium and I've been just recording them as they come in, right? So we can edit, we can do whatever. You know, you should never be worried to come on the Bullhucker. And if you want to come on the Bullhucker, let me know, you know, or if you know Christine, tell her she'll get a hold of me. So absolutely. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it was fun again. uh, I'm glad we did this. Uh, These, these are a little more work, you know, since all their different recording and stuff, but totally worth it. I love, I I love you and Ryan, you know, I love the tap room. This is a, Place has a special place in my heart, so uh, I'd like to. Uh, when I do come out of my hole at the Emporium, uh, this is one of the places <laughs> I do come. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, and if you want to come check out a good bar, uh, come check out a place that really celebrates Halloween. This is the place to come in. You you go out yes. of your way to to really uh, decorate the place, you know, well, to you. to give it that Halloween vibe. Yeah. So, uh, very cool place. What did you do this year for Halloween? Um, what, it'll be the twenty eighth. But it'll be past uh, that. Oh, this yep, is we're already yeah. past that. So. Um, We'll, um, we will have had bike night and um, our Halloween party at the same okay. night, all on the same night. It's so. usually the weekend before, right? Yeah, we're gonna. Um, we will have done it on the twenty eighth. So next year when we do this, it'll you'll actually be able to see it. But this yeah. this year it actually falls on Tuesday, right. Halloween. So it's the day you know. But so happy Halloween, everybody! Happy Halloween! I have thousands of pieces of candy I have to ha- hand out for their trick or treat trail. Oh, is that on Halloween? I'm. I don't recall which day it's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna be on Saturday or if it's going to be on Halloween on, on Trick or Treat Street. Yeah, I bet it's on Halloween. Um, my grandson. I I recruited him to. Oh, yeah. Hand out the candy, and I'm just gonna. Hell yeah. Supervise. <laughs> and if she doesn't hand out all the candy, come down and get a beer and probably some candy if she has left over. You know yeah. right? Yes, always. Part of a, <laughs> a fully nutritional meal, right? Snickers bars and uh, and Coors Light. Snickers bar. Can't go wrong with that. And who gives a shit if you can't? So, anyway, thank you so much, Christine. Thanks for having me, Larry. And you guys have a happy Halloween. We'll check you out next year. Peace. Peace out.